Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It's the top of the week, and it turns out it was prescient for us to call this weekly segment Strange News, because increasingly, and I don't want to date myself here. Increasingly, all of the news sounds a little bit strange, doesn't it? Uh, We are going to see some echoes of things we discussed in our episodes over the years. Uh, In this week's segment, we are going to learn about uh, cheating, uh, cheating in the non-romantic sense, by the way. We're going to learn about proven evidence of a thing we suspected for quite some time, and that I've stated over the years as though it were a matter of fact. Uh, And then we are going to give you a bit of what's called an earworm potentially. An earworm is when songs get stuck in your head. You can check out a Brain Stuff episode on YouTube that explains the science of what are called earworms. Um, 
That may also get some songs stuck in your head. And if you have ever had an earworm, if you've ever had a song stuck in your head, then it's possible that at some point it became like an invasive thought. It may have even felt like torture. Do you like that dramatic pause, guys? I wanted to keep it subtle, but I want people to hear the italics and the ellipses. I'm on the edge of my seat. Oh, wow. And here comes the rest of the story. Okay. So we're going to be, we're coming to you from the Oklahoman, say publication out of Oklahoma. I'm not going to say what the title of this article is yet, because that just kind of gives it all away. We're going to bury the lead a little bit. So here's the story. There is a man named John Basco. He was an inmate of the Oklahoma County Detention Center, and he passed away. He died at that jail on Sunday, September 11th. This past Sunday, as we're recording this a week ago, as you're hearing it. Uh, According to a media release that the jail officials put out, he was found unresponsive in his cell just a little bit before 4 a.m. in the morning, around 3.50 a.m., and officers there who found him attempted to resuscitate him, and then emergency responders arrived. They attempted to revive him as well. They were unsuccessful, and he was pronounced dead at 4.06 a.m. Now, according to the release... There's no foul play suspected here. They are looking into whether or not it was a drug overdose of some kind. So the story isn't about someone getting killed in jail necessarily, at least on the surface. But it is, here's here's one of the wrinkles. He was booked into the jail on a drug trafficking complaint, let's call it, or a, you know, a charge, uh, on Thursday. So he only lasted from Thursday until Sunday at the jail. That is, you know, usually not good, uh, especially if foul play is involved, right? That means maybe somebody took him out. But in this case, maybe he got some kind of illicit substance while in the jail and passed away due to that. If it was, in fact, a drug overdose, uh, there's a lot to look at there. Now, guys, that story is already like, mm, it's a little sus, but not, you know, there's nothing really to talk about here. A man died while in custody. But there's more. See, this wasn't the first time John had been in that specific detention center. Back in 2019, he was serving some time when he alleges he and several other inmates were subject to a type of torture that you were alluding to, Ben, a type of psychological torture or at least harassment. I don't know. It's kind of weird how you classify it with language in English, right? Uh, It could be torture. It is torture in this type of thing is torture in many contexts. Um, I would argue that in this context, it is torture, but I'm not a lawyer. He alleged, as well as other inmates, that several officers at that jail placed them in a room, a room that is generally reserved for speaking with an attorney, right? You've seen those on television before. Maybe you've seen the inside of one where an attorney and an inmate can meet in private. Uh, They said that once in there, they were handcuffed with their arms behind their backs, and they were made to stand up for hours at a time, up to two hours at a time while in these rooms, uh, often with multiple inmates in there at a time. 
And then a song was played very, very loudly inside that room while they were in that, you know, it could be considered a stress position, right? If you're made to stand up. Oh, they were handcuffed to the wall, by the way. So right. it was like hands tied and against the wall. The officers, two of them, played the song Baby Shark extremely loudly for up to two hours on a loop Ooh. while they were in that Kill room. Kill me. Kill me. There are some people listening say now that, who are drowning out Baby Shark on their television or their smart home device. <laughs> also, don't have a smart probably home a, device. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's probably a tablet. It's just how it goes. Uh, so, all right. All right, guys. Well, let's talk about this. First of all, do you personally consider that torture? Uh, hearing one song yeah. for an extended amount of time. Uh, At a very high volume. Uh, at a very high volume for, it really depends on the time interval, doesn't it? Uh, what is an extended amount of time here? Not to answer a question with a question, but are we talking one hour? Or are we talking 36 hours? When you get... Uh, We're talking get one to two hours at a time. One to two hours at a time, and it's a relatively short uh, song that is pretty repetitive. Uh, with that time interval you could consider that psychological torture. It would not be to the same level as, say, earlier incidents involving the Barney theme song, right? For anybody not in the mm. U.S., that's the big purple dinosaur. That's been used in the past. Um, I think it's definitely a d move, uh, but it's, oh, for if sure. it goes that far. I mean, such a short song for two hours will give you a non-consensual version of semantic satiation. So you could mm. call it torture. Yeah, I and mean, we, we've certainly heard of, of occasions where, you know, prisoners of war, I suppose, or, you know, detainees have been kept up for days on end uh, with really heavy, loud, like, metal music playing on a loop at incredibly high volumes. Um that's more like a sleep deprivation tool. This really is uh, more along the lines of psychological warfare. And I would definitely still consider this a war crime. Mm. Okay, so the officers in question, according to their own statements, the ones who were administering this, uh, they called it discipline. They thought of it and used it as a disciplinary tactic. Seriously. They, according you. to their I own statements. Just don't believe them. Yeah. Right. According to their own statements, they said they didn't agree with the way discipline was handed out, what types and, and how it was handed out there at the facility. And, you know, they're basically employees saying, you know, they're not doing this right. We're going to show show you the right way to do this and really show these inmates when they do something wrong. And also, guys, according to the district attorney there in Oklahoma, this was it wasn't torture, but it was, quote, inhumane discipline. Okay, Ooh. so it was inhumane. Um, and he charged both of these officers, as well as the lieutenant who was in charge of these officers, who apparently found out about it and didn't do anything about it. Uh, he charged them all with misdemeanors. Uh, they were misdemeanor counts of cruelty to a prisoner and conspiracy. Copy. Uh, quick so, question, Matt. So this is not um, everybody on either side of this case is clear that this was not interrogative, right? This was not enhanced interrogation. They weren't trying to learn something from the people subjected no. to this. They were trying to 
punish them for a thing that they had done. Correct. Okay. And this particular detention center has had a real problem with, I guess you could call it discipline in the past because the man who died, John Basco, uh, he was 48 when he died, by the way, he was the 14th person to die while at that detention center this year. Now that 14 doesn't sound like that high of a number, but for that many inmates to die while at the facility. And it's not like they were an old, you know, someone who'd been in there for 25 plus years and they got their charges when they were in their fifties or sixties. We're talking young, relatively younger inmates who passed away. And the majority of them guys passed away, at least according to, you know, the information we're getting from the facility itself, they passed away from drug overdoses. So drugs are getting into this facility like crazy. There's an article from channel four K F O R from Oklahoma. They uh, they've got an article titled 14 Oklahoma County detention center inmates have died this year. Toxicology report claims one quarter of them are due to fentanyl overdoses. Jeez. Yeah. And it's not just fentanyl. It's also methamphetamine and several other drugs that are getting smuggled in at extremely high rates So you can maybe imagine why those officers felt like there's something wrong, but then they took it in their own hands and did some horrible things. I don't know. I'm trying to just see all sides. Like what, what is happening here at this facility? Because we can only see from the outside, right? The big question is, I think in everybody's mind, did John's death, when we talked about the very top, the man who died in his cell on Sunday, this past Sunday, September 11, did it have anything to do with that 2019 uh, instance of inhumane discipline? We don't know. At least nobody's saying. Perhaps one of the major contributing factors here in that would be if the officers who had administered that were then at the jail when John returned in 2022, and the answer is no. Both of those officers were fired. Interesting. Uh, you're right, Matt. You're absolutely right. We are, we are outsiders working with publicly available information. A person has died, which is a tragedy. Uh, there is a strong possibility here of a iceberg situation, right? If we know the place is riddled with corruption, which, which happens often. We've got a lot of uh, former... Uh, former prison guards and former guests in the audience today. Um, if it's riddled with corruption, which makes sense because prison guards are often underpaid, right, and incentivized to seek other uh, income streams, then we can imagine quite reasonably that there was something else there. So maybe, maybe this is sort of a break in a larger case. And I'm again, I'm speculating. I do not know for certain, but it sounds like there is stuff they don't want you to know regarding this jail system in particular. And so I'm wondering then if the person, if the victim in question, Basco, has been known to struggle with addiction, I'm wondering what else this person may have seen. Right. Uh, You know, the idea of the psychological torture with music, it's super messed up. It is a real thing. Uncle Sam has used it repeatedly in the past. That's public knowledge. But it sounds like that might have been a convenient hook 
to get the story into the public. And I'm thinking, just guessing here, that there may likely have been something else, perhaps some knowledge of other corruption that could have led to a convenient death, knowing, as predators always do, that a disadvantaged person is less likely to see justice done. Mm, I agree. I left out the title of this initial article on purpose because there are a couple words in it that may change the way you're thinking about this whole case right now, guys, and everyone listening. I'm going to read that title now. Plaintiff in baby shark torture case dies Sunday at Oklahoma County Jail. And the reason why plaintiff is important, it's because this plaintiff who died there, John Basco, sued the jail. He was a plaintiff in a lawsuit that sued them, and that's what got those guys eventually in trouble and slapped with, unfortunately, only misdemeanor charges, the ones who were, you know, inflicting that discipline. Uh, but it also affected the lieutenant as well. Um, just knowing that someone is part of a lawsuit in any way, it kind of raises suspicion if anything bad happens to them, right? 100%. Or at least, at least any and all available evidence should be found and preserved ASAP when something like that happens. Absolutely. And one other thing to add to the fire here, uh, Matt, I know you've been looking at this case. I've been looking at it as well. There was another federal lawsuit that was stayed until the conclusion of the uh, criminal case. So there's a federal level lawsuit that was stopped in July. And the next hearing for that was scheduled for September 22nd. This person will not be there. Hmm. I don't like it. Uh, yeah, it doesn't smell good. I don't good. like it. All right. Well, for now, until new information comes to light, we're just going to kind of keep it on the back shelf and wait for something to come in. If you know anything, please contact us. We'll let you know how to do that at the end of this episode. For now, we're going to listen to a few words from our sponsors, but we'll be right back with more strange news. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human-moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 
Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back with uh, some more increasingly strange news. This one comes to us from the the world of chess, which um, I think before, like the the Queen's Gambit came out, um, hadn't really been making too many waves, pop culturally speaking. I mean, I guess there was like searching for Bobby Fischer. That was the last big kind of like high stakes chess film that I really remember from when I was a kid. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's looked at as, as something of a niche kind of world. And, and it's not really something that you uh, tend to ascribe too much controversy to until now. Again, that's not entirely true. There was the instance of a chess robot snapping a young player's finger because uh, he, he made his move too quickly. That was the last chess-related strange news story I seem to recall. But this one, it, it basically has got the whole chess world reeling. Um, so if you're familiar with chess, I mean, there aren't a whole lot of household names in chess. But if there were one, um, it would be a guy named Magnus Carlsen, who is a 31-year-old Norwegian uh, chess grandmaster. Um, he is a powerhouse player. Um, has been since his early 20s, um, it's dominated the, uh, the the field of play um, in, in chess, in, in the professional chess uh, competitive tour, I guess. It's sort of like a circuit kind of thing with different um, competitions that sort of lead to larger ones, sort of like, you know, golf or any other professional sport. You have these uh, certain tournaments that get established as like the, the important ones that lead to, you know, the highest stakes ones. And uh, the one we're talking about today is something called the Sink Field Cup in St. Louis. Um, this is a uh, a very you know high level tournament where all of the best of the best players come out to compete. Uh, there is a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar reward or purse, I guess you could say, for winning. And um, Magnus Carlsen, you know, riding high on like a fifty six, I think, match streak, is obviously favored to win. Um, he kind of he's kind of the just the top dog. There's really no one that can quite compete with him. Um, 53, rather. And this is, a, there's a couple of different interesting distinctions here. Classical matches 
um, which is a certain style of play, I guess, with a certain set of rules, then there are also non-classical matches. So he went 53 um, matches without a loss in, in classical play, um, but, but he did, you know, he, he has lost a few times in non-classical play, and I, I'm not quite sure what the distinction is. Maybe one of you guys are familiar. But there was an upset, gentlemen, uh, a massive upset, a young up-and-comer uh, from America, uh, a dude by the name of Hans Neiman, um, he defeated Magnus Carlsen in classical play. Um, you know, and every dog has this day. Uh, you know, it's not it's not completely alarming in and of itself for a, uh, a champion to be, you know, dethroned. But almost immediately, allegations of cheating started swirling around. Um, first of all, Magnus Carlsen himself posted this very cryptic tweet saying, I've withdrawn from the tournament. I've always enjoyed playing in the STL chess club and hope to be back in the future. And then he posted a clip uh, that's been memed pretty constantly or consistently over the years uh, of a, a famous, I believe, Portuguese football club manager by the name of Jose uh, Moreno, um, who was involved in some sort of uh, cheating scandal, I believe. And he said something to the effect of, if I speak, I'll be in big trouble. Uh, and that's what he posted. So the implication there, uh, because of the association with this guy in this clip, is that he doesn't want to say what he knows, but his actions in leaving the tournament, really big deal. This guy doesn't do that. This guy, you know, he dominates. And then this, this guy, Neiman, responded uh, in, in kind with a comment saying, it must be embarrassing for the world champion to lose to an idiot like me. I feel bad for him. Oof. The self-deprecation part just, just doesn't... It comes off very disingenuous. <laughs> Feels like a real troll. And this guy is kind of more of a product of, like, Gen Z kind of vibes. He is a really big Twitch streamer. He, he pretty regularly streams himself playing competitive online, you know, chess. Um, so he's not, like, you know, doing Call of Duty Twitch, but he is, he is a Twitch streamer and has kind of a person, you know, an online presence and online personality and i think there's maybe a sense that he wasn't to be taken seriously as a contender because of um because of this kind of streaming type behavior it just didn't seem like i think if there's a sort of like a nose in the air kind of attitude um so he does that then this other guy uh, a guy by the name of emil satovsky the director general of um of the international chess federation um, he came to the uh, to, to to have Magnus's back, um, and he said this. Uh, he said, "No matter how this tournament went, Magnus Carlsen never quit. He must have had a compelling reason, or at least he believes he has it. Don't call him a sore loser or disrespectful. Uh, I shall not speculate on the reasons of his withdrawal, but probably would expect TD to air them." Um, I'm not sure what TD is in this context, uh, unless I'm being a, a bonehead here. Um, so it goes further than this. Uh, the internet kind of starts going nuts. The chess world starts going nuts, all the speculation, because it's pretty difficult to prove cheating in competitive chess. And it's, it's, it's also uh, ju just about as rare for it to even you know, pop up. Um, how do you cheat at chess? You're asking yourself, maybe, I think. Possibly. Um, there, are, there are a couple of ways uh, in, in a competitive game like this, in the same way a coach might have mapped out 
a series of plays, you know, in a, in a American football game. They do that, you know, with, with images, with like graphics, like on a, a whiteboard, or they could even be like in some sort of like binder. Uh, same thing is true with, with chess. You know, a lot of times there's these certain, the Queen's Gambit, the name of that show, is named after a very specific type of play. Um, that, that can be risky, I believe. It puts the queen uh, at risk to some degree. But again, I'm no, I'm no chess master uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but there are all kinds of plays like this. Some of them are, are very famous. Uh, some of them have, you know, they're a little bit more personalized to the individual player. Um, but you could conceivably, you know, like getting the answers to the tests in advance, somebody could have, you know, done a Watergate and, and got somebody's play, play sheet. And then you kind of know in advance every move they're going to make before they make it. Um, so that's one possibility, probably the most plausible, because the other one is pretty bizarre. Um, there's this Vice article that, that outlines all this stuff, by the way. It's uh, uh, on Motherboard uh, by Carl Bode. Uh, the chess world is absolutely losing it over cheating allegations after massive upset. Um, the other way is through a device of some kind. And there is one uh, proof of concept that an anonymous uh, maker has, has put out there that uses vibrations uh, in a some sort of like rumble pack kind of situation that goes in a player's shoes that are like wirelessly linked to one of these like microcomputers, Raspberry Pi zeros, uh, running an open source uh, piece of software called Stockfish. It's a chess engine. Uh, that device would be hidden somewhere in the player's clothes. Um, and in the write-up online about this device, the creator said something to the effect of he was looking to recruit a, quote, plausibly good chess player to use the shoes to win the world championship. And then was planning on making a more elaborate, updated version because he says, this proof of concept only needed to fool my mates in a pub for the duration of two games. To win the world championships, we're going to have to get much more serious. Uh, and so that post has kind of started to be thrown in Neiman's face as potential for how he may have accomplished this. Uh, it just goes to show how much stock is in this dude, Magnus, that, that immediately he's beaten, and, and, and there's only possible way uh, that another player could have done this, especially a, a player that is lower ranked. Uh, yeah, fellow chess enthusiasts will assure you, Magnus is legit. He is tremendously oh, yeah. talented. He is the best living player in the game today. And it's a very old game, mm -hmm. but uh, he, could go, he could go to bat. There's actually a lot of debate about how he would perform against other masters of the game. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's not quite the same as uh, Michael Jordan having a bad day on the court. This is, this is very different. Uh, and I'm glad that we're talking about this today. Yeah. And then it, then it kind of takes a bit of a, of a <laughs> tawdry turn here. When some members of the internet chess community started speculating, well, how, how did he get this device? Because, again, now they're already assuming that he has this device or something like it. Uh, there were RFID scanners um, leading into and out of the areas of play. Uh, there were, what do they call those things, magnetometers, you know, like those uh, metal detectors that you walk through. Um, and uh, this guy passed through all of them. And it may have been that it, it wasn't until the loss that they put some of these measures out I'm a little unclear on that, but again, the internet chess community has started to speculate that, well, uh, where did he put the device? Could it possibly have been in his anus? Could it have been up his butt? Uh, in the form of, again, um, trigger warning for, for 
adult themes here for a second. Um, the idea that a pair of, of a set of vibrating anal beads, uh, which is a device used to, you know, stimulate the, uh, the prostate, um, could have been retrofitted wirelessly uh, to do the same thing that the thing in the shoe was doing, to vibrate uh, with certain coded messages that would allow the wearer to, uh, to you know, communicate with that, with that um, computer running the open source chess engine. Uh, and, you know, and the king of the trolls, Elon Musk, kind of poured gasoline on this by, by, by tweeting about it. Um, so now it's just kind of all out there, this idea that this, this guy, Neiman, had a cheating mechanism uh, in his prison wallet. And um, that is how he defeated this undefeatable competitor. And, um, you know, he, he has responded and saying that, you know, if all my detractors are kind of, you know, making my point for me, if they uh, have proof, then, then come out with it. Uh, but, yeah, it's just I, I really never expected the, the world of competitive chess to take such a scandalous turn. I would say it's odd to me looking at just Magnus's reaction of the statement that he made when he decided to pull out of the tournament. Because his opponent was 19, right? His opponent was the lowest ranked person in the tournament. That's and right. he defeated the highest ranked person in the tournament, which is not generally something that's supposed to happen. But, you know, with probability, anything can happen. It could have been, it could have been this kid's best game that he's ever played and Magnus's worst game he's ever played. It's just, it's something that could happen. Um, it doesn't seem like I've seen any evidence that's been alleged by anybody that this is actually what happened and cheating was involved. Agreed. Is that true? No, there hasn't been. No. There are some uh, instances pointing to Neiman having cheated at online chess um, because apparently cheating in online chess is a lot more common. Um, in the same way, if you'll recall, you know, the, 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 the documentary um, King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, I think it was like Billy Mitchell who was kind of the the big bad, you know, the hot sauce king or whatever, and it turns out that he had manipulated his his machine and the frame rate um, for his online submissions, um, which was part of the whole, like, you know, uh, qualifying, and, like, part of it was, like, you know, online. So it was almost like Scout's Honor kind of, um, you know, um, honor system or whatever. So there is there are allegations against this guy for cheating at online chess. Hmm. But again, that's a far cry from walking into a highly, you know, uh, monitored, um, high stakes competition with some sort of device, you know, hidden on your person or in, in your person, I guess. Um, there was another really good article on uh, metro.co.uk that was even talking about, like, what's the future of, of this type of, of cheating? There's something called smart fabric. Um, I think it's sort of like what, you know, what's his name? Lucius Fox in the Batman, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. That's kind of how he described the, the, the material used to make the bat cape or whatever, that it's like the smart fabric that can go rigid or go loose, uh, depending on, you know, how current is pumped through it. Um, there is this idea of like, you know, more advanced versions of these cheating devices that use smart fabric where the clothing actually will vibrate against your skin. And it's something that would be undetectable. You, could, you wouldn't be able to hear that? I guess I, I would think you'd be able, I would think you would as well, especially if it's like, you know, 
in your butt and you're sitting on a chair and you know those those it's it's like deathly quiet when you're you know these, these types of games they're very like you know tense and uh yeah i would think you'd be hearing like a boop, 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 you know well in the shoes the prototype of the shoes there has to be an input right because how would the machine know what move it needs to calculate a move against unless you input what move just occurred, like what your opponent's yeah. move was, right? I wonder if it's a left shoe, right shoe thing. But yeah, I also don't understand. Are you using Morse code? Like, what, how are you, you know, communicating this stuff? Um, you're absolutely right. There would have to be some input uh, based on the previous move set that you would be able to communicate to the device and then it would tell you what the best possible outcome would be or the, or the best possible, you know, move would be. Because you just have to clinch in a certain way in order to give it inputs, I guess. That's very odd. <laughs> and I mentioned Elon Musk, you know, trolling this whole thing. He he he, he posted a uh, augmented quote from the philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer that says, talent hits a target no one else can hit. Genius hits a target no one else can see because it's in your butt. But this whole idea of the anal bees literally just came from one dude on YouTube. And there's this whole, you know lore surrounding it already where people are like writing like fan fiction versions of this like there's a whole the real answer is actually elementary from a reddit user named x uh, xi trio magnus cheats he always had anal beads up his butt maybe for the past 10 years that's how he's been dominating the entire field but this is them accusing magnus of doing this that's how he's been dominating the entire field of play there was a slight dip during the time he played uh caruana because he was so drunk he couldn't feel the vibrations well and ended up losing the game his team decided to turn up the vibration to Max, and that's how Magnus survived the encounter. Uh, so obviously some some tongue-in-cheek kind of, you know, attitude about this as well, but it is fascinating. And then, no, to answer your question, no real allegations. And I'm also trying to find specifics about this other dude and the online chess allegations of cheating. But, you know, a lot of this is just kind of hearsay and um, trash talk. Well, uh, it's obviously one we can keep an eye on <laughs> for further developments. Uh, because, you know, should true proof arise, I want to know. I mean, this is fascinating. It's like, this is the stuff of, you know, casino heist movies. Um, but, you know, chess. So we'll take a quick break and come back with one more piece of strange news. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know taxis and stuff shady subscriptions did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase but then you found yourself subscribed yeah i had to call and stop payment on something because i had subscribed to it through apple pay and even though i had like put a new card on there it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my apple pay so i had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled it was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. And we have returned. Uh, this is um, this is an interesting development, and it's a little bit of a vindication that we teased at the top of the show. Now, longtime listeners, fellow conspiracy realists, you know that for a number of years, we have talked about dark money. We have talked about the ways in which the powers that be seek to manipulate things behind the scenes. And, you know, we're very conscious of the idea that the U.S. is a number one, uh, well, top five agent of chaos in the world. Uh, you have certainly also heard our accusations and explorations of the ways in which Russia manipulates politics behind the scenes. And often we were very, I would say, uh, or at least for my part, I was, I was stating this as fact, even when the U.S. government did not officially acknowledge the activities of Russia. Uh, there's a strong argument to be made that doing so might have put them in a, you know, throwing stones glass house situation. But before we get to uh, this last story for this weekly strange news segment, Matt Knoll, true, false, Russia manipulates other countries. What do you think? True. Nah, you gotta show me the proof, man. All right. Show me the dark money. Yes. uh, Fans fans of biblical lore will perhaps consider you uh, a descendant of Thomas the Doubter there. So let us stick That's our my middle name, dude. fingers in these wounds. You know, uh, the U.S. State Department came out not too long ago and said something that surprised me. And we'll quiz each other later on which aspect of this is surprising. They said that since 2014, so about eight years 
over the course of eight years, they said Russia has secretly, through a variety of shell companies and proxies, spent uh, a little more than $300 million to influence politicians and other officials, not just in the U.S., which can be sort of, the U.S. can be kind of narcissistic and self-obsessed, not just in the U.S., but in more than a baker's dozen of countries, actually two dozen countries. And this statement came out from the Department of State. Uh, We're working live. Uh, What they did was pretty clever. It's a practice that you might find in the Confucius Institutes that are uh, PRC, Chinese-backed things in the U.S., Uh, It's also something that you see the U.S. doing in Latin America. This money was supporting think tanks, which are wildly unregulated. So $300 million, Uncle Sam says that's a minimum. But what surprises you about that statement, if anything? Does anything surprise you guys? Uh, That it's that little amount of money? Ding, ding, ding. Me too, man. I concur. Me too. And until we had uh, until we had done some digging into political corruption and things like lobbying in a chapter of our upcoming book, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. Oh, gosh, don't black bag us. We did plug it, corporate overlords. <laughs> uh, until we had done that, I always imagined incorrectly that it took a great deal of financial grease to move the levers of power. 300 million doesn't seem like a lot if we're talking about, you know, 24 different countries. But this has been conclusively confirmed. Uh, The U.S. intelligence community now is saying $300 minimum. They don't have the flashlights to find all the dark corners of the money here. And Right now, this is so sensitive that there aren't a ton of people going on record. In previous episodes, we had shouted out specific former individuals. Uh, We had shouted out things that are all but official leaks from the U.S. government. Uh, Quick tip. If you're ever wondering whether the U.S. has authorized a leak that they don't want to be responsible for, then you will hear it reported as a source close to the Pentagon in the New York Times and stuff like that. And it's 100% everybody in the government saying, yeah, no, it's fine to tell them, just like make sure you don't get car bombed. I also like the, uh, the one that's like uh, someone familiar with, <laughs> with the mm-hmm. situation. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. also good. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a classic too. And you can't argue with the golden oldies. I want to draw special attention for anybody who wants to read this to a New York Times article by a guy named Edward Wong. Russia secretly gave 300 million to political parties and officials worldwide. So these streams of money are very hard to trace, but they're very powerful. And when we think of 300 million, which is absolutely a life changing amount of money to the vast majority of the population. When we think of that in terms of moving the world to better align with your vision, it does seem like a bargain. But we have to consider that that money moves in creative ways and 
you would be surprised by how low a price people will sell themselves for if they don't see the bigger picture. A lot of the folks who are getting bought or influenced have no idea what the overall budget is, right? Like if you pay somebody $20 to do something, you don't want them to know that you have another $500 if you really need them to do it. Uh, This is stuff like, um, for instance, uh, this is happening in Ecuador. It has happened in Ecuador. It's happened in a couple of African countries in very sensitive regions. It's, of course, happening in Eastern uh, Europe, right? Shout out Belarus. But uh, when when you see the way it works, it's important to realize that a lot of this isn't getting reported. The U.S. has been doing many similar things, as has China, the other superpower. Uh, but just, just to walk it through, it's washing money, false contracts, shell companies, a little bit of lobbying, uh, have the ambassador give a gift to another ambassador, right? Or have them donate to a presidential campaign. And I hope that's not too close for a lot of uh, for a lot of us listening in the United States. Russia has relied on state-owned enterprises and large firms that are ostensibly quasi-governmental or ostensibly private to move across Central America, uh, the Middle East, and of course Europe. And when you have a think tank. You know, uh, you can be in the catbird seat. You can be someone who whispers power and powerful thoughts to the throne. Is that like when a cat goes? <laughs> yeah, the is that the catbird seat. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> the catbird seat is a uh, is maybe an anachronistic phrase, but uh, if you understand that phrase, just write in uh, or find us on social media. The issue here really is. As dumb as it might sound, I was trying to think of a current analogy. They're paying influencers the same way that companies go to Instagram and try to touch people, right? And their influence is not, you know, let me convince someone to buy, you know, this tummy flattener or this wrinkle eraser. Uh, It's let me convince someone to do what I as Russia want regarding fossil fuels, regarding uh, democratic rights, regarding whether or not to sign a treaty. It gets pretty nasty pretty quick. And the U.S. government is now warning actively, not surreptitiously, which they've been doing for years, but they are actively warning the countries that they feel are under target for this campaign to expel Russian intelligence officers. But that's kind of an easier said than done sort of thing. Like finding the money, tracing the money is already really difficult. Finding the actual asset is also incredibly, I mean, it could be, it could be really difficult. You know what I mean? A lot of, uh, a lot of uh, Russian intelligence doesn't outsource the way U.S. intelligence might. Hmm. The CIA just got smacked for that, by the way. And they said, hey, maybe we should do a better job vetting the folks we essentially contract in all these countries. Yeah, you could do that. That's probably a good idea. Ah, 
but Ben, this is elections as well as disinfo and the combination of the two, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Shadow of okay. Alexander Dugan. You've nailed it, Matt. The idea is um, Russia's intelligence apparatus and it's, you know, it's government, which is essentially Vladimir Putin and his entourage are using some sideline methods to make changes that are not immediately apparent until there's a full aggregate effect. So all of a sudden, maybe, Latin America, the hegemonic backyard of the the U.S., uh, starts voting for better bilateral relationships with Moscow. I know this can sound a little bit boring, but I promise it is not boring uh, when the wars go hot. And the Biden administration is apparently in a little bit of dissent right now. I mean, the U.S. politically is in domestic dissent uh, because they're attempting to declassify more intelligence about the activities of Russia. And this is something to pay attention to. It's just uh, for us and stuff they don't want you to know, it's it's a bit of a, a validation. And for a lot of our fellow listeners as well, because you have to ask yourself, a lot of historians are going to earn their PhDs in the future asking this question, who knew what when, right? The same questions about 9-11 are going to be the same questions people ask about the current war in Ukraine, right? What, what did people know and not share? What indications existed? And was the, um, were the regimes of secrecy that were instituted, were they helpful or were they ultimately harmful? So we anticipate more information about this is going to come out now. And yes, the world is unfair. I, for instance, can't get away with a late fee at the library and people are out here moving the world for the low, low price of $300 million. Uh, so maybe it's an episode in the future. We'll need more information. Uh, but this is us walking you to the edge of the rabbit hole. Dive in. Give us your take. As a matter of fact, if you are pro-Russia, uh, would also love to hear your perspective. Again, the U.S. is often in a glass house when it accuses other governments of doing shady stuff abroad. So that's all for today. Oh, as a matter of fact, you know what? One plug for our upcoming uh, listener mail segment this week. We are giving you some inside info, or we are at least relaying some insider info uh, that we're going to do our best to keep anonymous, but we can't wait for you to tune in. We try to be easy to find online. Boy, do we ever. The easiest. You can find us all over the internet. We are at Conspiracy Stuff on uh, Twitter and, uh, and and YouTube and uh, the Facebook, uh, where we have a group called Here's Where It Gets Crazy. On Instagram, we're at Conspiracy Stuff Show. Yes, Noel. You can find us all over the place with mostly conspiracy stuff, as you said. You can also dial one eight three three stdwytk to reach our voicemail system. When you call in, please give yourself a cool nickname. Doesn't matter what it is, the cooler, the sillier, the funnier, the better. And it's just that way we can remember who you are if you call in again. You've got three minutes when you do call. Uh, use it however you'd like, really. But just make sure you let us know if we can use your name and voice on one of our listener mail episodes. 
If you've got more to say than can fit in three minutes, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free at 